Hi, my name is Claire Schmidt. And to me, Femtech is all about giving every single person the ability to control their health and well being and the information that they need in order to do so. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Witham is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash femtech. Before I introduce our guest, I want to tell you about our upcoming conference in partnership with the Femtechnology Summit. The Femtechnology Summit is taking place on June 1st and 2nd, and it's a very special event because it's a hybrid event. That means virtual and in-person. The speakers are all virtual, and Femtech Focus is hosting a North American watch party in Raleigh, North Carolina, part of RTP, Research Triangle Park. Check it out. Give it a Google. You'll learn a lot about where I currently live and all of the awesome things that are going on in this area. Now, let me break this down for you how this works. If you'd like to watch and listen to these rock star femtech speakers that Femtechnology Summit organized, you can watch them technically from anywhere in the world for free. You can register for that at femtechnology.org. But if you'd like to watch these speakers with 200 plus other femtech founders, investors, enthusiasts in person in Raleigh, North Carolina, paired with additional panels, networking, dinners, activities, and a $100,000 investment challenge led by Coyote Ventures, then you need to go to femtechfocus.org and buy a watch party ticket. Tickets are only $45 or $20 if you're a student. I'm very big on being accessible to everyone. This ticket covers your attendance to watch the virtual summit together, the additional activities and networking, as well as breakfast and dinners. If you're traveling into Raleigh from out of town, we're helping organize affordable lodging in Airbnbs with other attendees. So once again, if you want to watch the speakers from anywhere in the world for free, register at femtechnology.org. If you'd like to join me and hundreds of other attendees in person to watch the speakers and have a femtastic adventure, then buy a ticket at femtechfocus.org and plan your trip for Raleigh, North Carolina, June 1st and 2nd. And of course, I want to be very good to our podcast listeners, so use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your ticket. That's promo code PODCAST at femtechfocus.org for your summit tickets, 20% off. See you there. Alrighty then, fem fans. In today's episode, I interview Claire Schmidt, the founder and CEO of All Voices. All Voices is an employee feedback management platform that is taking a modern approach to driving change within organizations by giving all employees a way to speak up, provide feedback, ask questions, share positive input, 
and report harassment, bias, and cultural issues directly to their company's leadership. Before founding All Voices, Claire served as VP of Technology and Innovation at 20th Century Fox, and she came across Susan Fowler's blog, exposing the toxic harassment she experienced as a software engineer at Uber. The story occupied parts of Claire's mind for months. She began speaking with CEOs, lawyers, HR professionals, and other employees, including Susan Fowler, and discovered that the tools available to employees to share feedback or report issues were ineffective and rarely used. The whistleblower hotlines in the market were outdated and clunky. This lack of effective and comprehensive employee feedback management platform was encouraging toxic workplace cultures of silence and unresolved systematic issues. So Claire began building All Voices. Today, All Voices is the leading employee feedback management platform, trusted by leading companies and preferred by employees. Learn more at allvoices.co. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Claire, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. Where are you calling in from? I am calling in from Los Angeles, California. LA, nice. Well, I uh, was excited to get a pitch on you being on the show. And as we just talked about, you know, at first, one may not think that what could be, you know, just labeled an HR tool, you know, software for, for human resources in a company could also have to do with women's health. But I'm, I think it's obvious the connection. I, I'm so excited to tease it apart as me, the women's health expert, and as you, as the like feeling good and safe and comfortable in your employment expert. Like, let's see where our worlds collide. Sounds great. I'm excited. Well, let's kick off the interview with the learning a little bit more about yourself. So tell us where are you from? Did you go to school? If so, what did you study? Did you have a career before this? And how did you end up starting this company? My, uh, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and um, I went to Stanford University and studied economics there. Um, I was really interested in sort of applying math to understanding people's behavior. Um, and so that's what really drew me to economics. Um, and I did have a career before this. So I worked really at the intersection of technology and social good. That's what I've done for pretty much my entire career until now. Um, and what really was interesting to me about tech and social good, and maybe it's similar to your perspective on femtech, but it's like, we're all using technology. We're all working with technology. And yet there are a lot of social problems out there that don't necessarily always have a perfect market solution, but still need to be addressed. And technology is such a powerful tool that using it um, for good can do a lot of good. And so um, I helped Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher start their nonprofit Thorn, which builds technology tools to combat child sexual exploitation. Um, and that was the first time I really saw the power of tech for good. Um, we were able to bring together a bunch of different companies, all collaborating, you know, companies who had historically competed against one another were collaborating around this topic um, and working together to, to do it better because it was so important. Um, and 
Then I went and ran Social Impact at Thrive Market, which is an e-commerce company that aims to expand access to healthy food to all. Um, and included in that group is uh, low-income families who have, in some cases, faced barriers to um, accessing healthy food. And so my job was really about dismantling a lot of those barriers and using our platform to do so. Um, and while my next job was at 20th Century Fox, I was vice president of tech and innovation. Uh, and while I was there, I heard Susan Fowler's uh, story about her experience at Uber. And I started thinking about how unfair it is that we ask employees to kind of risk everything to speak up at work about things and whether they're actually risking everything as they are in some cases, or there's just a perception that they are putting a lot on the line. It kind of doesn't matter because either way that experience can be so stressful and so difficult for employees. Um, and it felt to me like there was an opportunity to provide an employee-friendly platform that would enable people to speak up in real time about workplace issues of any kind, or even ask questions um, that they may not be comfortable coming forward and speaking to someone about. And we can get into this later, but this definitely intersects with, with women's health in particular, right? Because a lot of these topics feel very personal. And in some cases, it might not feel natural or comfortable to go speak to someone in person or on a Zoom meeting about your personal health struggles, yet sometimes there's information you may need from your company. Um, and so the applications, even at the time, seemed very wide to me. It seemed like no matter what, if you give people an additional channel to speak up, ask questions, to do so anonymously, if they want to do so digitally, even if they didn't want to be anonymous, it could just um, expand the opportunities for employees uh, to be heard and actually for companies to listen and to take action. And to me, that felt like a way to create healthier cultures within companies. So cool. Um, I have a, a few thoughts and questions and ideas. Could you please, for our listeners, give a synopsis of what happened with Susan and Uber that inspired you to look into this further? Yes, totally. Um, so Susan was an engineer at Uber and on her first day of work, she experienced sexual harassment from her manager. Um, and it happened, uh, through chat or something. So she did have evidence. It wasn't like a, he said, she said situation. So she wasn't sure what to do. It was her first day of work. It was her manager. She did what we have been telling employees to do for a long time, which is go tell HR about it, right? Huh. HR will help you. HR will fix this for you. And in some cases that would be true in some companies that totally would happen, but it was just unfortunate that in her case, she was essentially told, we're not going to do anything about this. This per person is a, you know, valuable, high-performing individual. Um, and over the course of her employment there, she experienced retaliation. She was, you know, mistreated and bullied. And um, she experienced fallout as a result of reporting that. And the situation was not remedied for her. So when I thought about that, I thought about the fact that she was stuck in such a hard position because her choice was either to tell someone and to sort of come all the way forward as the person reporting it or to stay quiet and to not raise the issue 
But if she did that, no one would know that it was happening except her and her manager. So I think it was very brave what she did. But my hypothesis was that most people actually choose the other path because it's too hard or too scary. And when I looked at the data, I found that when it comes to harassment, 75% of people who experienced harassment at work did not report it to their company. Wow. So that was staggering to me because that means that if companies don't have that information, they can't take action. Um, so first I was just thinking about how to get the information forward to companies more quickly. But then I actually looked at another stat also from the EEOC that said that out of the people, that small fraction of people who did speak up at work about harassment, three out of four of them said they experienced retaliation after the fact. So it's not just about information not getting to the right place. It's also about it not being acted on responsibly. And those two statistics taken together made me realize in order for this platform to really feel safe and secure for people to use, there would need to be an option for them to share information or ask questions anonymously. What are some forms of retaliation that you've seen? It can be anything from the most egregious, right? Being fired um, simply for speaking up. Um, and I've heard a lot of stories about that. Um, all the way down to just being thought of differently, not being considered a team player, being passed over for promotions, being teased or talked about, um, anything that might make the environment feel less safe or comfortable or anything that um, detracts from that person's ability to grow and develop at the company. So how does All Voices address this issue and how does it work? So if you experience something at work or you have a question or a comment or a concern and you want to get it to someone in a leadership role or someone who can take action, um, it's very simple. You, If your organization is using All Voices, you can submit that report or that feedback. We will pass it along to your company. We will not provide them any identifying information about you. And the only information we actually ask you for is your phone number. We don't ask for an email or password. You don't have to download something. You don't have to log in. Um, we don't know your name. Uh, we have the phone number on our end. We don't pass it along to your company and we encrypt it so that even our own you know, engineers and employees can't see it. And we use that phone number to facilitate a two-way conversation between you and your company. So you ask your question or you submit your report or you um, share feedback. And then your company leadership, who's using the platform, receives it and they're able to respond to provide resources or coaching or support or policies or ask you more questions or outline what a process might look like if you were to report something like harassment um, or you know, if they were to have to conduct an investigation, for example. Um, so it's a way for people to start to get comfort with that through that conversation with whatever needs to happen, if it's something more serious. And if it's something smaller or something that doesn't ever require you to be a part of the, the conversation or come forward as an individual, you might just get your question answered and move on and that's the end of it. So um, there's, there's an opportunity no matter what to be heard and to be responded to. And I think that has been 
a huge missing piece uh, historically for employees. Yeah. So All Voices is live. You have lots of clients, right? Um, So do you have some statistics on what percentage of, you know, submissions are questions about help questions, I guess, versus reporting something bad versus as there's other categories, you know, maybe within the questions, could you break that down? Is there, is there a lot of questions about healthcare insurance or like, what are the questions even about what's the distribution of these submissions? Yeah. So because of the the security of the platform, we're not, we're not reading the questions. We're not reading the reports ourselves, but uh, we do get high level data um, yep. from the system about the categories of things that are reported and, um, and shared. And um, one thing that's really interesting is when I started the company, I was thinking, okay, harassment, given these statistics that I've read about harassment, Harassment must be so underreported and there must be this huge need from employees to speak up about it that that just haven't been able to yet. So my hypothesis was that the platform would be used for like the most serious issues, like whistleblower type issues, harassment, you know, physical violence, things like that. What I didn't really take into account is that those things aren't happening as frequently, right? there's other things happening every single day in in every company related to culture, related to leadership style and management related to, um, like you said, someone wanting more information about benefits or um, requesting something different in terms of like health insurance or benefits or uh, leave policies, things like that. So I actually saw the inverse was true just across our entire company base the most number of reports are questions and feedback, just general feedback about things and questions. And the least common are the most severe issues. Um, so that's good because I feel good, like, yeah. yeah, it's good to get <laughs> all of the information. We're not yeah. as bad as we thought. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, what do you, in this high level data, do you have any sense of the askers, the reporters, the submissions you're getting, is it female employees, male employees equal? Like, is there any distribution between sex and gender and what is being submitted? So we purposely don't ask those demographic questions because we did actually a bunch of user testing when we first launched the product. And even though we put those questions in as optional initially, it really spooked like all of our testers, even to see the questions there. Because if you ask what's your, you know, ethnicity and what's your gender, it feels like it de-anonymizes you as a person to people in your company. Um, So we just took those out. And the way that we make up for that is um, we actually do a lot of surveys ourselves on the general sort of population of employed people in particular. And we do ask demographic information in those surveys. Um, So we did a harassment report last year where we asked, you know, what type of experience have you harassed? Have you, what type of harassment have you experienced? If any, Um, have you been in a work environment where you didn't feel psychologically safe? Did you report harassment? Why not? If you didn't, all of that. And we did split that out by gender. Um, So what was fascinating to me is that men actually stated experiencing harassment more frequently than women, except when it came to sexual harassment. 
and sexual harassment, vastly more women experienced it than men. So um, I thought that was really interesting just because I'm not sure people are aware that men experience harassment too. I think it's like really thought of as a, a woman's issue, yeah. um, but it affects everyone. And what that's kind really of harassment? So you have the sexual harassment, but what are the other types of harassment in the workplace? So um, physical harassment, online harassment, and cyberbullying, um, microaggressions, uh, socioeconomic harassment. So it was really interesting because both men and women are experiencing both at pretty high rates, um, but men slightly more so on the other types of harassment, women more so on sexual harassment. Wow. This is, this is insane. I'd love to share a quick story as to a time I wish I had your platform. So I was in graduate school, PhD program, and I, you know, kind of came to a, a break in my psyche. I needed, I needed time away. Um, you know, I've shared on this show before I PTSD and I was just, apparently my body, my brain was like, Oh, Hey, here's a bunch of new memories. You're ready for them. And, uh, at 24, I, I, you know, was trying to finish my PhD in genetics. I was thinking about starting a company and I just, I just broke, you know, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't concentrate. I was just crying all the time. And I, I needed, somewhere to go, um, you know, a treatment center, essentially where I could feel safe for 30 days and, and kind of drudge through my PTSD stuff. Nobody told me in grad school orientation what to do. And by the way, that was four years earlier. So I thought, okay, I'll go to HR. That's what I do. That's what people do. They go to HR and they say, I'm leaving for medical or something. And so I had to get on a bus because the HR building was even, was like blocks away from my school. I had to get on a bus go there, meanwhile, being suicidal this whole time, right? So I had to get on this bus, go to HR, go to HR. And it's just like this room with, with some women behind windows. And they were like, yes, what can we help you with? And I was like, uh, can I like talk to somebody like one-on-one? -on -one? And they were like, yeah, what, what's the issue? And I'm like, uh, and there's like a full waiting room. And I'm like, I, I don't feel well. And I need to take time off school. Like I couldn't even articulate what I needed. I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to combust, yeah. lady. Please help me. And she said, Oh, okay. Well, here's this form you have to get signed. And I said, I am literally am going on a plane tomorrow morning to get to treatment. Uh, I don't even know if I can get these all signed today. And she's like, Oh, that's the only, that's how you take medical leave. You need the signatures of your director, this person, your boss. I had to get like six signatures. And I took this bus around all these buildings trying to get these signatures. And it was, tough because as a PhD student going to your department head saying I'm not mentally well and I need treatment like I I didn't even know what I should or shouldn't reveal or what I had the right to not disclose or not you know I was in crisis mm -hmm. and I just kept walking around with crying with this paper getting people to sign it and finally there was um the head administrator um, she was an angel she was my angel because she looked at it looked at me and she was like just do you don't need any more signatures she said I will take care of it I will email everyone go home get text me that you're safe you know and she was my angel you know she was my all voices but I could see how your platform could have really freaking helped me in that situation instead of me on a bus all day suicidal like oh I gotta get this done so I could go to treatment tomorrow you know yeah I'm I'm so sorry to hear that and that's exactly right like 
the person who is dealing with something so challenging should not also be given extra burdens, right. Of mm-hmm. having to sit down and, and be vulnerable and yeah. share that truth yeah. with people. Yeah. Um, so I completely agree with you. And also the, our platform is intended to catch things sooner, right? So as soon as you started feeling a certain way, you started feeling overwhelmed. We hear a lot from customers we work with that, like people are sharing that they're struggling to manage everything that they're trying to, to deal with, even just from a workload perspective. And the goal is like, if they could speak up about sooner about that sooner, it's less likely to get to build and to get out of control if they can, if they can be given, you know, resources that they need as early as possible, whether they're experiencing, uh, experiencing harassment or experiencing something related to stress or something more severe, right? Like depression or, or being suicidal. And so I think the impact of early support uh, cannot be overstated. Does all voices provide any kind of resources like that? Because I would have loved to see a testimonial from another grad student saying, I took two months off of school and I'm doing awesome. Like it's mm-hmm. a, it, you can do it. Cause I had never even heard of a grad student taking time off before. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, so what we do is we have a lot of resources on our site for employees. So employees can come and look and see, um, we have like tons of podcasts and webinars and blog articles about the different types of things that they might be experiencing. Um, and hopefully that would help them not feel so alone. And then we also have a, um, partner that we work with that does like peer counseling. So, and it's all text-based. So you can text all voices to this number, and then they'll connect you with someone who can help talk you through whatever you're experiencing. Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. Much different than a, I'm behind a glass window where people in the line behind me and I'm like, ah, I want to die. Like how, what paper do I sign? Like I couldn't yeah. even articulate it, you know? Yep. Yeah, um, exactly. What are other examples of how you, all, all voices and then also just like in general, like HR procedures and stuff help women's health? Because we're talking about, you know, women staying in the workforce, feeling productive and happy in the workforce. So where do you see in this Venn diagram of HR and women's health, where do you see the overlap? I think there's a huge overlap um, because, you know, like you said, it's really important for all employees to have an opportunity to be heard. Um, One of the things I was excited about with, with starting All Voices is that all of the biases and preconceived notions that we all hold, um, some of which are completely unconscious and we're not aware of them at all. Those just get stripped away because really when you're receiving a report, there's no person tied to it. There's no identity. There's no, you know, gender, there's no race. And so you just have to receive it as it is and respond to it the same way you respond to all of them. So there's, there's uniformity in the way that, that these, individuals are treated. And I saw that as a huge opportunity because I think sometimes people aren't even aware of maybe treating men differently than women or treating a black employee differently from a white employee, but it does happen sometimes. And also people from different backgrounds and people with different identities, um, even if your company is perfect and does everything right, 
may have experienced things in the past and may have some trauma or stress related to speaking up because of how they were treated before. And so you have no idea, you know, what baggage every employee is coming to your organization with. And so providing a way for them to speak up in a way that feels comfortable to them, in a way that's incremental, can really help people's health. Because if you think about it, there's the issue that's going on with them in the first place, right? They're stressed at work, let's say, for example, and they're not sleeping. And they, they have to make the decision without all voices. They have to make the decision about who to talk to, when to talk to them, how to talk to them. It's an intimidating conversation. There are fears about repercussions. And by taking all that out of the picture, you can actually provide a way for someone to just come forward more quickly, more easily, without adding to the stress that they're already feeling by putting them in a stressful circumstance. So like you mentioned, you were already under like crippling stress. And then you had to be in an even more stressful situation by trying to explain this to lots of different people and get signatures. And that's not fair to you. And that actually just makes the problem worse. Um, So I think there's a huge opportunity for HR to be able to make their employees more comfortable, more safe, even if they're not experiencing something today, just knowing that there's a place for them to go if they were in the future, I think can be incredibly reassuring. What about if it's a woman who, let's say she's breastfeeding, she just came back from maternity leave and she submits something about wanting a better lactation room. Wouldn't that automatically identify her if it was a 30 person office and she is the only one that just had a baby? Or is there ways that you guys kind of mask that? Yeah. So first of all, we let them share the amount of information they want or not. But mm-hmm. in the in the specific situation you're talking about, sometimes just the nature of the question could reveal who someone is. So yeah. what we've done is um, we make it possible for, for bystanders to report or people who are not necessarily the person affected. Yeah. Yeah. And also for people who just have heard about something and want to share their perspective. So even when it relates to harassment, right? You could say, I heard someone was being harassed. The person who was harassed has plausible deniability that they actually weren't the one that brought it up in the first place because of that structure. So when it comes to breastfeeding rooms, I think any company could put it out there and say, uh, or sorry, any employee could put it out there and say, I think as a a company in the year 2022, we should have lactation rooms, right? And it doesn't have to be that person to raise it. And and from the company's perspective, it's not necessarily that person who raised it. I love that. So listeners, please advocate for your fellow employees. If you Mm -hmm. hear something, see something, throw it, throw it, I think submission through all voices because- you know, um, I can definitely, you know, I'm, I'm someone who calls things out all the time for better or worse. I'm a caller outer, but sometimes it makes me involved and I, sometimes I don't want to be involved. I just want to throw it out there, like throw in a, a little, uh, um, what is that? Like a little light, like, mm-hmm. Hey, we're here. Look at this, you know, like, so that's awesome that, that, that platform has, you have that ability. Um, have, what are the, you know, results of all voices in companies using it? What has it changed in uh, company culture and employee retention and specifically women? Has there been an impact on women staying in the workforce? 
Yeah. Uh, from the stories that I've heard from our customers, it sounds like it's really helping them, them with retention. It's helping them with inclusion and making sure that their workplace feels safe and inclusive to all people of all backgrounds. Um, one story I can share, this is about uh, religion and not gender, but mm. one of our customers very early on, um, their company had a, a Halloween party. Um, and the person who won the Halloween party was dressed as a religious figure. And everyone was kind of like laughing and joking about it. And after the contest was, there was a costume contest. And after the costume contest was over um, and that person had won, there were more jokes. And anyway, it, there was someone of that religion and the company who basically submitted an all voices report and just said, Hey, this was really uncomfortable for me. It made me feel um, like my religion was being joked about. And I, I just felt really uncomfortable. And you can imagine how hard that would be to like physically come forward and say to someone, right? Your manager or HR, but because of the platform, they were able to just share that feedback. And um, very quickly, HR in receiving that feedback was able to spring into action, make a comment on the Slack and just say, hey, you know, we want to promote a respectful environment. This isn't feeling respectful um, to people who might be of this religion, and they changed their costume contest policy so that the next time there is a, co a costume contest, it's not really an option to dress as a, rel a religious figure. Um, so sometimes it's just about clarity and like setting clear guidelines and acting in response to the feedback that you're getting. But if you never get the feedback, you don't know. And who knows, next year, somebody could have done something even more offensive. Um, so I think of that as like a really great example of a story that was shared with me where that person never had to come forward. They never had to share their identity. They didn't have to be seen as someone who was complaining. They didn't have to share their religion if they weren't comfortable expressing their religious beliefs uh, at work. And yet change happened. And the person who dressed in that costume even sent an apology and just said, hey, I'm so sorry. I wasn't aware this could be perceived as offensive. So it also wasn't about making that person bad or punishing them. It was about education and communication. And to me, that's like such a success story. And I hope, and I believe that that kind of thing is happening every day through the platform. Um, and so that's what makes me really excited. You know, that uh, reminds me of an episode we just dropped a few weeks ago um, on cultural humility. Because there's one thing to be culturally sensitive, but sometimes sensitivity implies that you know what is sensitive and what is not sensitive. And so being culturally humble allows one to say, hey, I've lived in this world for this many years. I've met these many humans. I don't know everything but everything, you know, um, and I'm going to do my best. And I'm, I'm going out on a limb saying I'm open to feedback and, you know, uh, advice on how to do better. And so being culturally humble I, I see that as an example of what you, you know, just described as like, you know, no, not intentional harm, but a platform to be humble um, and get and you know, pivot. Um, I see that kind of similarly potentially working for women's health with all voices in terms of, you know, your male boss may not know the extent of how uterine fibroids affect you. You know, they don't know heavy menstrual bleeding means six large tampons a day, you know, like, 
So when you're saying on the Amazon warehouse or something, you know, like I have to walk a football field to the bathroom, like being able to maybe even articulate a woman's health issue, because I don't think, well, I know it's not, I think society doesn't talk about women's issues. And so therefore men don't even know they exist. Women feel like they're the only one who has it. So they feel alone. Um, And then when you try to bring it up, like the severity of how bad or what the needs are, you know, like um, uh, we were watching a, a movie the other night, my boyfriend and I, and this woman, this character, she just had a baby, she's breastfeeding, and then she was traveling and she's still breastfeeding, but she's uh, pumping. And he goes, the baby's not with her. Why is she pumping? I said, cause the milk still comes. The milk <laughs> is still coming. She got to get, you know, she got to milk herself, you know, like it doesn't just stop when the baby's not around. And he was like, oh yeah. Okay. You know, but like <laughs> in that moment he was like, oh no, the milk is only there when the baby's around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like a learning moment and with Netflix <laughs> in my house, but yeah, um, that's I feel great. Like all voices kind of can do the similar thing. Right. Yeah, I do think it's about um, giving everyone a voice, uh, giving leaders the information they need to take action. Um, And you're right, like people don't know what they don't know and we can't expect them to know. Yet we also can't expect all of the burden of explaining and educating to fall on the people who are dealing with the challenging situation, whatever that might be. And also, rely on them exposing something personal about themselves if they don't want to share it just for the greater good. And so to me, like there's so many analogs to this in society. Um, but in a lot of cases, the, um, asking more of someone who's already dealing with something stressful, I just think is not acceptable and we have to find a better way. That's right. Well, that's why I do this podcast. That's where I share about my health because, you know, I, I feel, I only share the things I feel open about, but pretty much y'all you've heard it all. I don't think I have anything left. I haven't told you, but, um, you know, I, I totally agree. There's a lot of people that listen to the show and say, wow, you talked about a disorder that I never met anybody else who had it or so really cool stuff. Last question about all voices. Um, is it also a platform for positive feedback or and like positive remarks, or is it only a place for the negative things and questions? Absolutely. Um, it's for positive feedback as well. And I think what's really funny is the reason we realized we needed uh, to make it sort of a neutral platform where positive and negative things could be shared and neutral things could be shared or questions asked was a couple of our customers told us like, oh, I got my first report um, after rolling it out. And we said, oh, what did it say? This happened like two or three times. And they said, oh, it just said, thank you for giving us this platform because like now I know we have this if I need it. So Uh, that's positive feedback directly to that that HR person. But there could be positive feedback about any leader in the company, any new initiative. Um, A lot of times we hear about people saying like, thank you for the new benefits. Um, I think sometimes positive feedback comes in through the system because people may not know who to talk to and it's almost like a routing system for those types of things. Um, but, but part of the time, cause I didn't realize why someone might want to be anonymous to share positive feedback. Part of the time they don't want to be seen as 
a person who has an opinion either, either way, positive or negative. And they just want to stay, you know, in their lane and do their work and not be seen as someone who has strong opinions. And I think some people have very strong opinions and we'll make those very clear and don't care who hears it. Um, but not everyone is, is built that way or not everyone has, um, worked in environments where that is appreciated, um, and encouraged. And so again, it comes back to like, give people a place to speak up. The more you can learn from them, the better you can understand what's going on in your culture, both on a positive and a negative, uh, side. So cool. Claire, this is so amazing. You're, you're really helping women in the workforce, you know, with when our minds are more at ease, there's less on our plate, we're less stressed, you know, we can get our questions answered about our health benefits or time off, like, um, and then being able to report things without having it to be about us, you know, because we know the history of women reporting things and being essentially the scapegoat who has to bear this, the burden of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So exactly. thank you so much for what you've built. We have two last questions that our listeners really love. The first one is uh, we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs. So uh, as a serial entrepreneur yourself too, this is an interesting question. What is an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Uh, I may be biased because of what I do, but I really think women's mental health, um, women, you know, have unique challenges. And I think that there's been some great like mental health and mental wellness startups out there, but I think women's mental health, um, is something that I think is fascinating and is like a huge opportunity, uh, to start something incredibly impactful. I think we heard a lot about this during the pandemic, like how were women being affected differently than men? Um, in places where, you know, women are, um, uh, mothers, like in, in families, women, uh, it was clear that women were in many cases taking on more and more of the household responsibilities. Um, I think burnout looks different in women than men. So I just think there's like a ton of opportunity to do something really differentiated in, uh, in women's mental health. Love it. I love it. I totally agree. And our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? I think that we're in a very interesting time because we're hopefully like coming out of this pandemic and sort of going back to some version of normal, normal life. And it might look a little bit different, but, um, but this last two years has been, I think, really challenging. And I think femtech as an industry, like has a real opportunity to seize this moment because we've all just gone through a pandemic, right? Which is a big health uh, crisis. Um, And there may be sort of fallout from that, whether it's related to mental health or actual physical health. Like if people have long-term effects from COVID or, um, I think there's so much, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, opportunity right now, um, to, to, uh, better address the needs of women, um, related to their healthcare. And I think what the industry needs is investment. Um, and so 
I'm, I'm guessing if it's not already happening, it will be happening soon um, from the VC community um, in particular. I think there's a huge opportunity to fund uh, femtech and, and the, the, the major market need for it has definitely been identified. And I think also um, storytelling, like what you're doing, because part of this, like you've said, is that so much of this doesn't get talked about. And if people aren't talking about it and aren't sharing, and it also goes back to what I do. If you're not aware of something, you can't work to make it better. Um, And yet the burden should not be on individuals to share their unique stories. So I think storytelling can be really helpful because someone can tell a story on behalf of an entire group of people that brings awareness to an issue. And it can be incredibly impactful without hundreds or thousands of people having to also share their stories. Um, And then, you know, research. I think research can do a good job of highlighting a a gap in the market or needs. Um, And so I think storytelling, research, and investment are probably the three things that I would say um, Femtech could benefit the most from. I love it so much. I love it. I think that all of those are growing, you know, right now with um, the pandemic totally unveiled that healthcare is not the same for everybody. I think previously people thought everyone had the same healthcare and then they were like, oh, oh no, your zip code determines your health. Oh, so when we've been preaching about the sex-based bias in healthcare, so when we finally had the pandemic, it was like, oh, here's this like really real life example. Um, my my one, like, I think with growth, there's pain, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so one of the things I am witnessing right now is that people, I think, are finally getting the memo that Femtech is a trillion dollar opportunity. We didn't even have a market size two years ago. Femtech Focus had a, actually published that for the world trillion dollar market y'all stop saying it's niche and so now they're like signing up though and so what's happening is I see accelerators like Y Combinator accepting a lot more femtech companies I see big funds investing in femtech companies um I see people starting femtech companies the the thing I get little worried about is that they think oh here's a uh, pelvic floor therapy this is so great. And I'm like, there's literally 30 other ones that are way better, you know? And I feel like because it's an industry without many experts, you lack a lot of internal mentors or people who can like really do diligence femtech or really understand the marketplace. And so, you know, I saw some graduates from YC last cohort that were femtech and I was like, oh no, they're going to be funded so well because they're YC graduates. And mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to make an AI pessary, which is like a binky for your vagina to help hold up your uterus, regardless of what it is. It doesn't need AI, I promise you. Um, <laughs> and so like, there was things that I was like, what is happening? And so, uh, you know, I just, I hope that um, there's enough humility in the startup scene, which is like asking a lot, but <laughs> hopefully there's enough humility, especially in Silicon Valley to ask experts, hey, we have these deals. Can you review them? Who would you suggest speak on our panel about femtech? Who would you, you know, that's that's what femtech focus is here for. We're we're a resource. We're a center of gravity for femtech. So, um, yeah, that's my only concern with the yeah. more investment and more activity is that people are now gotten wind, and I'm seeing some activity that I'm like, oh God, okay, hang on, hang on, we're gonna get through this. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. I think so often people 
kind of design the solution before fully understanding the problem. And I think there needs to be a lot more humility, like you said, to better understand the problem before designing the solution. Great. Oh, Claire, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This was wonderful. So great talking to you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Claire Schmidt, the founder and CEO of All Voices. To learn more about this innovative platform revolutionizing company culture, go to allvoices.co. Alrighty, Fem fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review and share it with a friend. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org and join the thousands of other Femtech founders, investors, and mentors advising and advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up for a FemPro membership, only $15 a month, and get access to assets like our FemTech company database and a self-guided FemTech accelerator. Keep an eye out for our monthly FemTech book club, which happens the last Wednesday of every month, and subscribe to our newsletter. Last but not least, please consider setting up a recurring donation to FemTech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.